Good morning. It's good to see you all here this morning. Uh, welcome. I know there's probably several here that have not attended Cross Point Community Church uh, ever, maybe, or in some time, and we want to say we are thrilled you are here. Normally, we would like to greet you out in the foyer. Uh, things may be a little bit different now. Uh, we're kind of spread out a little bit, and uh, uh, through this weird season of, of life that we all find ourselves in, but we just want you to know that you are welcome here. We are thrilled that you are here. If you're a regular attender here, thank you for being here at 1015 on Sunday morning. The number of things you can do on a Sunday morning at 1015. You are here worshiping God and studying His Word. So thank you for being here. If you are tuning in online or logging in online, thank you for being consistent with studying God's Word uh, and worshiping with us this morning. Many of you who are listening online have potentially had exposure to uh, someone with the COVID, or maybe you have symptoms yourself, we want to say we're praying for you, and uh, we are thrilled that you're joining us online. Those who are listening to us on the radio, we are thankful for you, and we pray that God's Word would speak to your hearts this morning. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, as we just mentioned, one day out of the year where we get an excuse to do what we should do every moment of every day. Give thanks to Almighty God for His many blessings in our lives. So I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. You got to spend some time with your family and friends focusing on the goodness of Almighty God. Um, I want to personally say this. Thank you. I haven't been able to say this because uh, we've had a lot of announcements and whatnot. And I've been wanting to say this for the last month. Last month, October, was Pastor Appreciation Month. And you all were so so gracious in so many ways. Letters and cards and gift cards and meals. Thank you so much. My heart is overwhelmed with gratitude. And, and thank you for the way you express your appreciation to myself and the other pastor elders at Cross Point Community Church. Um, on a lighter note, uh, many have asked about this mountain man bearded look. Um, some of you may have taken offense at it. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> uh, it wasn't that I felt the need to be like Jesus to wear a beard, even though that is a great argument. I love that. Be like Jesus and wear, wear, wear a beard. I love that. No, it wasn't that. It was simply that uh, I accepted the challenge from some in Cro at Cross Point Community Church to go through No Shave November. And so we're almost through it. So you don't have to endure this too much longer. Um, I would say if you want to point a finger at anyone, she's probably listening online. Linda McKenzie, this is for you. Um, she has encouraged me over the last year. Pastor, you know No Shave November is coming. Yes, Linda, I know, but it's still March. <laughs> but at any rate, um, those who are not as fond of hair growing on my face, that's okay. You don't have to be fond of it. Nonetheless, rest assured, December 1st is quickly coming, so... No shave November will be behind us, but at any rate, uh, thank you for those who asked. Not that it matters to any of you, so thank you. Now to the important stuff. Please take your Bibles, brothers and sisters in Christ, and turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. That's 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 this morning. I hope you were able to spend some time in God's Word this week. 
As you were thanking God for the many blessings to jump into his word. And I'm going to actually share a, a text this morning, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, that I have never actually really dug deep into. This week I was overwhelmed with this text uh, for so many reasons, but here's kind of the key idea that we're going to work through this morning. And I hope your heart's prepared for this. As Paul writes to this church in Thessalonica, we find this, this key topic, this key idea, being always thankful to God must include being truly thankful for God's people. I'm going to read that one more time. Because in this text we find being always thankful for God. We need to be always thankful for God. We find that at the end of 1 Thessalonians 5. Now in 2 Thessalonians 1 we find this. Being always thankful to God must also include being truly, authentically thankful for the people sitting around you. For God's people. Okay, what do I mean? What? The rubber meets the road. Here's where it is. So often when we talk of thanksgiving, and actually it's very necessary this way. It's very biblical. We focus on who God is, His nature, His work. So who God is and what He has done. Done. So when we share gratitude to God, a lot of times it is directly for who He is. His perfections. His attributes. Or usually when we thank God, it's because He's done something really cool for us. Naturally, that's where we gravitate with our gratitude. But why I love this passage is because the Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, you know what? If you're going to always thank God, then you cannot leave out. I mean, through example of Paul, you cannot leave out something very, 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 very important. And that is your brothers and sisters in Christ. And through example of the Apostle Paul, We have this wonderful text of Scripture that says being always thankful to God also includes being truly thankful for God's people. Being thankful for those sitting around you. All right, so before we even jump into this, what's the story of 2 Thessalonians? This really has a neat context to it. I'm not going to dig too deeply into it, but just in general, Paul writing this letter to this church in Thessalonica as people, these followers of Jesus Christ in this really cool town, Thessalonica. All right, what about this town? I mean, some of you may have been to this area of the world. This town of Thessalonica was in the region of Macedonia, about 100 miles from another town we know very well. It's called Philippi. In fact, in fact, we spent about eight months studying the epistle to the Philippians. This is about 100 miles from Philippi. You find this town, Thessalonica. This town is, is really a keenly aware town. They're not like some town in the back country that's not aware of what's happening in the world. Why do I say that? Because it was on the Via Ignatia. It was on the travel route where people from all around the known world would go right through Thessalonica. These people heard the talk of the world. They knew what was happening socially, politically, religiously. They were, they, were, they were in tune to what was happening around the world. <clears throat> this is cool. This is a town of about 200,000 people. So basically, roughly double the size of Redding, California. If you want to think of it in this way. It's about the size of Shasta County. All of Shasta County. That is Thessalonica. Thessalonica was a happening place. And Paul, as he was spread out 
sharing the good news of Jesus Christ as his way was. And you can go to Acts 17 and see how Paul did this. Paul, you don't need to go there now, but Paul was sharing Jesus Christ around the known world, traveling different places. Paul, Silas, Timothy, uh, Paul's cohorts in ministry were sharing Christ. And as Paul's uh, tradition was, he would go into a town and he would preach in the synagogue of the Jews and share that Jesus was the Messiah. Well, this is one particular town that that didn't go over so well. (laughs) After several weeks of preaching Jesus the Messiah in Thessalonica, as the scripture says in Acts 17, These who have turned the world upside down. That is how Paul is referred to. His ministry is referred to. These guys are stirring things up. When you think about Paul and his ministry at Thessalonica, you can't can't step away from just a great, a a deep appreciation for these believers. I mean, the, the church of Thessalonica, you're talking about people that saw Paul go through, Paul and his cohorts go through persecution. But even more than that, they experienced themselves this persecution. They were going through this deep affliction. These are Jesus followers who are going through affliction, through persecution. Some of them uh, seen family mo- members being put to death. That is this church. They were going through the deep waters of affliction, and Paul knew this. Paul spent some time with them, and then he fled from there. He, he took off from there, uh, left a couple of his men there in Thessalonica, but the church in Thessalonica started to grow and thrive. At the same time, the church at Thessalonica, you can understand this. They were consumed with a certain area of theology. I mean, it's very pastoral, this book. First and second Thessalonians, very pastoral in mind, Paul writing them to them, uh, a lot of direction for the church. But you find glimpses through first and second Thessalonians that this church was consumed with an area of theology. It was the return of their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They knew this was promised, but they couldn't wait for it. And you can understand why. As they were going through the deep fires of affliction. They could not wait for Jesus Christ to come. And there were some misguided theologians that came to the church of Thessalonica and said, oh, you missed the train. <laughs> Jesus already came. He already returned to redeem his own. And there was a bit of depression going on with the church of Thessalonica. No, we missed this? Paul, what are we supposed to do? And there were others who would say, no, Jesus didn't come. He's still coming, so you know what we're going to do. Rather than work, rather than participate in our community, we're going to check out. We're going to go sit up on that hillside or on, the, on the, the rooftop and wait. Wait for Jesus to come. We're going to wait it out. Enough of this affliction thing. We're going to wait it out. Well, Paul writes this letter, Second Thessalonians, a couple months after he wrote First Thessalonians. They're real close to each other. And he writes this to do a couple things. One, encourage believers to keep pressing on through persecution and affliction. Keep going. Don't stop. We could insert a little bit of 2020 into this, could we not? You know, some of the the things we've gone through this last year. I do want to say, though, that this, though, just not to be disingenuous in any way to what we've gone through in 2020, but... Quite honestly, it really doesn't hold a candle to what some of these New Testament churches were going through. 
A lot of times we think of affliction, we think of persecution. It doesn't even compare to what these people are going through. When it comes to the point where you send your family out to work or to the marketplace and you don't know if they're coming home, you don't know if they're going to make it, maybe they show up in a vat of oil somewhere, that's when you know there's a heightened sense of persecution going on. Not that that couldn't happen in our lifetime, but quite honestly, there is an, there's a heightened sense of affliction going on with these people in 1 Thessalonians. And Paul writes to encourage the believers, hey, keep going. As you travel through 1 and 2 Thessalonians, you find very quickly, he's encouraging them that yes, Jesus still is coming. Just be ready, here he comes. Jesus is coming. He also writes to exhort them. Continue to serve Jesus and live in obedience to him every day. As you're waiting, don't stop. Live in obedience to, to Christ because he promised to return and he will return. In other words, this. Church, as you wait for Christ's return, don't just sit on your housetop. Don't just sit on the mountainside enduring affliction. No. As you wait for Christ's return through affliction, actively live out your Christianity. And I, and I could say that for all of us here. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the nonsense of the, the world we're kind of living in right now, all right? These physical struggles and health concerns, these political, this political madness and uneasy feelings about the political landscape right now, the societal brokenness, and, and quite honestly, the moral decline and deprivation of the world we live in right now. And sometimes I get concerned about myself, but I'm going to be quite honest with you, I'm not nearly as concerned about myself as I am for my children growing up in this world. And I, and I look at this and my heart just says, Jesus, come and fix this. You said you would. Jesus, come. Maranatha. Jesus, please set this right. And I'm going to tell you the temptation of a heart sometimes, it's good. But it's almost like this over-realized eschatology of, of like Jesus is coming, so we're going to kind of just focus on that, which we should. That's our blessed hope. But sometimes we disengage from what's happening in our neighborhoods. We disengage from what's happening here in the church. Even we become aloof sometimes to what's happening in our own families. We're so excited for the return of Jesus. And like Paul says in this passage, he says, don't disengage. Live for Jesus today through the affliction that you're going through right now. Don't disengage. Actively live out your Christianity. That was, I mean, as you looked at 1 Thessalonians, that was pretty much Paul's, one of Paul's themes. There's about five main themes in the book of 1 Thessalonians. That was his theme. Well, then, a couple months later, we find another book, 2 Thessalonians, and now Paul is recognizing what they're doing, and he comes to them, and this is where gratitude fits in. His heart is overwhelmed with gratitude that they are engaging. They're living out their faith. Through times of affliction and persecution, death, destruction, uh, discouragement. They haven't checked out. They're living for Jesus. Would you join me this morning as we read? I'll go ahead and read. You can follow along. It's on your handout on the back side if you'd like to follow along with that. I just want to focus on these two verses this morning. Because in these two verses, we get an overflow of the Apostle Paul's heart. 
his heart for people. I mean, the Apostle Paul, and, and I, quite honestly, as I read through this, I am so convicted. I, I am so grateful for the body of Christ here. I'm so grateful for every one of you. And I tell you, I don't tell you that enough that I love you and thank God for you. I think about that with my own family. I had a good discussion with my wife last night. How much more I need to tell my wife and my kids that I love them and thank God for them. Well, what we have here is an example, a personal testimony of the Apostle Paul where his heart overflows with gratitude for these people. Would you read with me verses 3 and 4? We ought always to give thanks to God for you brothers, as is right. Because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. So we're tempted to stop there, but I want us to go ahead and read verse 4 because this really paints the picture of what's happening in verse 3. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in your afflictions that you are enduring. All right, so what is this? Well, from the lives of Paul and Silas and Timothy, we find this phrase that we talked about earlier. Being always thankful to God, it also includes being truly thankful for God's people. In this text, Paul is genuinely, authentically, sincerely thankful to God for what? God's people. Rather than just endure people with rough edges and tolerate people with odd personalities and brothers and sisters of Christ, that abounds in the body of Christ, does it not? We have our quirks. Well, you do anyways. Just joking. Your family does certain things a certain way and another family does certain things a certain way and you look at each other like, that's kind of weird. Certain people talk about certain hobbies that they really like. Others are like, man, I wouldn't do that until my last day. There's certain things we enjoy, certain things we, you know, honestly, I, you, you, I, sometimes I get through a conversation, I think, man, that person must have thought I was nonsense. <laughs> I talked about something, and you can, if you spend time with me, sometimes I like to talk. I probably should stop doing that so much. More listening. But talking, and, and you probably listen. I get, I get through the conversation sometimes, and I think, man, I said, like, way too much. That person thinks I'm just stupid. <laughs> There's all these quirks and things that happen in the body of Christ. Well, the temptation sometimes is this. To just redirect our thanksgiving to God for all He's done and all He is doing and to forget the fact that we are to be thankful for this. Yes, to focus on this vertical level, but not neglect focusing on a horizontal level that God Almighty has surrounded us with brothers and sisters in Christ that are awesome. That God is doing something to grow every single one of us by His grace. And we get that heart from Paul in this passage. Now I just want to go through this phrase quickly. This is more, uh, I was talking to a friend last night. Um, and I was saying, this is more like a pep talk I think this morning than a deep study. Because of this passage, uh, this verse. 
We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right. Let's just kind of dissect that a little bit and think about what Paul's saying. He says this, we ought always to give thanks. Okay, if you're, so if you were to look at this phrase, naturally you would think the primary verb might be give thanks. Well, actually the primary verb in this whole statement is this, we ought. Kind of an interesting one. We ought, a present indicative, it, keep doing this. It's active. Don't stop doing this. In this concept of ought, some of your translations will say this, and I kind of like this. We are bound to do something. You're tied to do something. We are compelled to do something. It means this. You are under obligation. Paul is saying we are under obligation like a debt to a debtor. The, The simple idea is Paul is saying we have a spiritual responsibility, an obligation before God Almighty. This is not something that Paul is taking lightly. He's saying, we ought. We are compelled by God. We must do this. And what's the primary action of this? We must give thanks. The infinitive. To express genuine appreciation. To be grateful. You don't need to explain it that much. To be thankful means to be thankful. And Paul is saying, I am compelled. I am under obligation from Almighty God to be grateful. But there's a cool descriptor here. Um, the directive. And sometimes, I mean, even as I was working through an outline this, this week, I missed this. I went back to the passage, and, I, and this word I couldn't get out of my mind. It's this word. <laughs> Always. Oh, God, did you really have to put that in there? I am compelled to always give thanks for you, brothers. There's times in our lives when we, the last thing we want to do is give thanks for a brother and sister in Christ that is, I can't believe they did that. And God says, give thanks. All right, this comes on the cusps of another really well-known passage. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I just referenced this a minute ago. What does Paul say to this very same church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18? Rejoice always. Same word. Always rejoice. Here it is. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We want to know what the will of God is. It is to give thanks always. Give thanks for the nonsense that you think you're going through right now. The pruning that we've talked about the last couple weeks, where the last thing you want to do is go onto your knees and say, thank you, God. Yeah, that really hurts, so thank you. That's the last thing we want to do, that that's exactly what God tells us to do. Give thanks. And here, particularly in this passage, The key verb, we ought, the key action, give thanks, the key directive is always, and now the key object, and we got to get this, the key object is God. Give thanks to God. This is not just simply giving thanks to someone else in the body, it is giving thanks to God. To the one who is rich in mercy and great in love. To the one who has created all life and sustains all life for his own glory. To the one who is working his will with the church of Thessalonica, even in the afflictions. I want to say that statement one more time. 
to the one who is working his will with the church in Thessalonica, even in afflictions and persecutions. The church that's 100 miles away, Philippi, has also was ordained by God that they go through afflictions. And Paul, in this passage in Philippians, says it's, it's not just God's grace that you've been called into a relationship with Him. It is God's grace that you have been ordained for afflictions and that He's guiding you through these afflictions. And Paul says, give thanks always to God. And what is the key focus, though? It is this, for you, brothers. Um, no, this is not just the men in the church. <laughs> in this sense, it is brothers and sisters, friends, Church, give thanks to you, church. It's a very personal expression of gratitude for God's people. Giving thanks to you, family member. Think of it that way. I don't know if you've noticed. I probably say it too much. Some people would listen to a sermon or something and say, man, you say brothers and sisters a lot. <laughs> it's because that's exactly how I feel. You are my brothers and sisters in Christ. We're family members. Maybe this uh, Thanksgiving, you sat around the, the table after you ate and you picked out different ones in the, in the family and said, I'm thankful for this and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for this person in my family. That's what Paul's doing here. They are brothers. This is very relational. And Paul says, I am compelled by God to give thanks for you, brothers. And then I love this last phrase in this, uh, in this entire verse. As is right. Basically this, it is fitting. It is worthy. It fits the mode for a follower of Jesus Christ. It fits what we are supposed to do. All right. So, if we are to be thankful to God, we must intentionally thank God for God's people. We must be thankful to God. And I, I almost want to bold that statement. We must be thankful for God's people, not optional. If we are following God's directives through his word and we are to give thanks in all circumstances, rejoice evermore, and if we are following his directives to not forsake assembling, then you must give thanks for God's people. Must. But I love this passage because it goes a lot deeper than that because Paul gives us reasons. It'll, just a couple cool clues of what we are to thank God for. And I'm going to tell you, this week as I was sitting down, interacting with, with this passage really more deeply than I ever have. I've studied through 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, but I, I'd never gone into this text. And I was digging in. And I'm going to tell you, with tears of gratitude, I started thinking of people across Point Community Church. I praise God for you. I started thinking about the letters I got for Pastor Appreciation Month. I, I started thinking how different ones were going to other people in the body. Hey, can I help you? I know you're struggling through this. I started thinking about the relational bondage that so many people have seemed to find themselves in through COVID. And then I started to think how some people, whole ministry in life right now is to get on the phone and call brothers and sisters in Christ. Their ministry right now is to send out a text and say, we love you, we miss you. I'm not going to lie, there, there's been, I mean, and probably some sitting online right now are like, well, why didn't anybody reach out to me? I mean, there, there's been relational people, people falling through the cracks relationship, relationally, 
I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters in Christ, my heart this week was overwhelmed with how so many of you in this room are actively participating in this text. And Paul says, I thank God for you, brothers. And then he brings out and highlights a couple things. First one, this. I thank God for your growing faith. I can't tell you how much I could identify with that this week. What has God done in our lives through 2020, brothers and sisters? He has stretched our faith, and that is exactly what the word growing means. Some of your translations will say growing more and more. It's growing abundantly. The passage says this, We are always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly. Growing abundantly, one word, meaning this, to grow more and more. It's increasing. Um... I love how one translation puts it. It's greatly enlarged. Your faith is greatly enlarged. It's being stretched. Let me ask you this. You don't have to raise your hand. Has your faith been stretched in 2020? (laughs) Some of you couldn't help but raise your hand. (laughs) Because absolutely. And and this is so good, why? I I mean, so appropriate, why? Well, because of verse 4. How was their faith being greatly enlarged, significantly stretched? Verse 4 says it perfectly. Therefore, we ourselves boast. I don't have it up there, but it says this. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your, here it is, persecutions, and in the afflictions that you are enduring. At the very basic level here, brothers and sisters in Christ, in our spiritual lives, we have to understand that God uses His afflictions to grow our faith. James 1, Romans 5. You can go to any passage in the Scripture that talks about afflictions. And what God is doing is He's stretching us to have more dependence on Him and more dependence on Him through our afflictions. Paul uses two terms to describe their response of faith in verse 4. Steadfastness and enduring. I love this because both words can essentially be translated into the very same English word. Patience. Basically, Paul, or endurance, basically Paul is saying your faith is growing abundantly because you are patiently enduring affliction. 2020 has not been an easy one for any of us really here at Crosspoint Community Church. I was thinking back through February and I I heard, talked with some of you and you're like, hey man, we got to keep an eye on what's happened over there in China, you know, and the spread over there and the different countries. And we're like, yeah, maybe this will happen. Well, then in March, we're thinking about, hey, we have a, a, a two-week mandatory shutdown. And it'll all, it will we'll slow the curve after two weeks. And I think most of us in here were like, yeah, two weeks. We went online for a couple months, and I praise God for what he did in our hearts through that couple months. But I'm also, I also know that through those couple months, even the ones that showed up in our offices, tears in their eyes. They need relationships. They need God's people. I mean, I'm going to tell you, I don't know that I could exist in my spiritual walk like this without God's people. 
without you. And watch as this unfolded, and, and quite honestly, suicides, deep depression and discouragement, even within the walls of Cross Point Community Church. People who love Jesus with all their hearts. And then crying and praying, uh, really talking extended amount of times with this as, a, as an elder team, realizing that this, there's so much more going on than a global sickness. There's, there's struggles going on mentally. There's struggles going on psychologically, socially. There's struggles going on spiritually. And God's people are yelling out, I need fellowship. I need relationships. And when I think about the body of Christ here, I'm going to tell you, I'd get through some weeks. Midweek, I'm like, oh, my soul. Can we keep going, talking to different ones? It's not as bad as it could be, but seriously. I found myself looking forward to something. You know what it was? Sunday mornings at 10.15 with the body of Christ. Where we could get together with other believers and all of us together would say, you know what God is doing in our hearts? He's stretching our faith. He's pulling our faith and stretching us to have more and more and more and more dependence on Him. Our faith is growing abundantly. And my call in gratitude, I should say, to the Lord this week as I was thinking about this is, God, thank you for the way you are growing our faith. Thank you for the way you are driving us deeper and deeper into your Word. Thank you for exposing to us our need for other brothers and sisters in Christ, for the body of Christ. Thank you, God. And Paul says here, I am grateful. And the re- first reason he gives is that your faith is growing. And then he gives another reason. I absolutely love this. And this is why my heart so identified with this passage this week. Your faith is growing to God, but then something else is growing at the exact same time. As our faith is growing to God, what's happening on this horizontal level Here it is. Because the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Think about that. As our faith is being stretched and God is causing us dependence on Him, it is also causing us to need this. To need people. To need fellowship and need encouragement. And Paul, or the author of Hebrews, possibly Paul, very clearly tells us, don't forsake getting together. Now, obviously, there's times when we step back for health reasons, look at different things, and try to navigate wisely through these. But it, nonetheless, that verse is still in the Bible. Don't forsake getting together with each other and encouraging each other through hard times. However that might look, how creative you might need to be, continue to get together, because when you get together, guess what happens? You, got, you start to see the love of Christ in action. You see people showing love on each other, helping each other out. Um, this is the love. I mean, obviously, we talk of this love often. The love we saw in John in the upper room. We've been studying about the upper room in our journey uh, through snapshots of the life of Jesus. But this is the sacrificial love of Christ that is expressed in each believer through the indwelling Holy Spirit. This is the fruit of the Spirit. We're compelled to do this as believers in Jesus Christ. This is the fruit that we've been talking about. In fact, Jesus Christ himself, after he washed his disciples' feet, remember what he says. By this, all people will know 
that you are my disciples if you have this for one another, love. But this is so cool because it's not like a one and done thing where I'm like, oh man, I did an act of kindness, check, good. Paul clearly tells us in this passage that this love is to be increasing. It is growing. It is abounding. It is day after day. And Paul thanks God for a church whose love is abounding. It is increasing. Again, remember, what's the backdrop for this growing love? Persecutions and afflictions. A special note. Afflictions allow for dynamic opportunities to live out biblical love. Have you noticed that? Afflictions allow for dynamic opportunities to live out biblical love. Lovingly serving others is the perfect redirection for the pouting soul. Maybe I'll say that one more time because I, I've been going, this has been going through my mind this week. Loving, lovingly serving others is the perfect redirection for the pouting soul. It takes our eyes off of ourselves and places them on Jesus and Jesus' people. So much more we can say about this. But I want to say that I am so thankful for you because I've seen evidence of this. When I read through Paul's prayer this week, I had to pray the same thing, but it wasn't a hard prayer because I saw it. There's people here sharing meals. There's people here sharing notes. There's people here going and picking up different ones and taking them different places. I praise God for that. Not that it's happened across the board because honestly, I think some of us can get more involved in that. It needs to happen more. But I saw a very sensitive group of people. The text that I would receive, Pastor, how, who can I serve this week? Do you know of anybody that needs anything? I mean, the people that would show up at different times to help each other. That's happening. And I praise God for that. Here's, let's just close this out this morning. Very clearly in this text we see being always thankful to God must include being truly thankful for God's people. So what? So what? Okay, how is this passage going to change the way we see things, the way we act this week or today when we walk out these doors? How is 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Paul's prayer of gratitude going to change the way you function in your family today? How is it going to change the way you approach work tomorrow? Well, I want to just ask this very basic question, follow up a question with a question. Here it is. Are you truly thankful to God for his people? Think about that. When was the last time you stopped and thanked God for the people sitting in around you at church? I'll tell you, we're real good at looking at people in the church saying, they need to do this better and they need to do that better. Oh boy, come on. Why'd you do that? When was the last time you stopped and said, oh God Almighty, thank you for blessing me with that brother and sister. Thank you so much. Even with the quirks, personality differences, they're your servant and thank you for them. So the question this week, are you tr truly thankful for God's people? Through the afflictions of 2020, have you become upset because God's people haven't served you the way you think you should be served? You know, that's the way we think sometimes, isn't it? Come on, God's people, do what you're supposed to do and serve me. That's at the root of how we think sometimes. 
Get going, Jesus people. Start doing Jesus things for me. That's not this. The way of the master, the way of Jesus is because Jesus has served so well, I'm going to serve so well. Even if I'm never served one time in my entire life, that's okay. I'm going to express the love that Jesus has showed to me. Have you found yourself truly thankful for all the ways God's people are serving here? Even on a given Sunday, guess what? There are hours and hours of time, um, people putting more hours trying to clean up things after a Sunday morning gathering uh, to heighten hygiene around here, spraying down everything, (laughs) getting things ready. We're talking about music team members that meet during the week, practice on their own, come on a Sunday morning, music put together. I'm so thankful for my wife who spends time crafting music stuff with the different people in the music team, getting ready so we can sing songs on Sunday morning of praise to Jesus. Are you thankful for that? Are you thankful for that brother in Christ who showed up early, that sister in Christ who showed up early to stand at that door, put themselves at risk during a time of COVID just to put a smile on their face and say, thank you for being here this morning? Are you thankful for that person that stands there and makes coffee so we can actually stay awake for most of the sermon? Are you thankful for those who plug in behind the scenes, keeping the sound going? Are you thankful for those who are right now pushing buttons to keep that live stream going? Are you thankful for those in the body of Christ, uh, particularly a couple men who, who invested hours and hours and hours of time when we were away from meeting to put sermons together and post them online so that you can watch and hear songs and sing praise and pray to God? Are you thankful? Brothers and sisters in Christ, if we're to follow the admission of Scripture to be thankful in all circumstances for everything, It means that we need to be thankful for God's people. So this week, are you thankful? Are you thankful for those sitting around you? But anytime you find a prayer in the scriptures, it comes with a huge huge hint of expectation. (laughs) All right? I don't think that's beyond the norm for what many of us do in our families every week. Maybe every day. All right? Maybe I'll drop my kids off for school. And um, I will say something like, hey, I'm praying for you today. And maybe I'll share exactly what I'm praying for with them. Uh, my, my daughter, Eva, um, who's sitting here so quietly, um, I'll pray something like, I hope you get along with all your first grade friends this today and don't talk the entire time. What does that come with? What does that come with? Yeah, dad's praying for me, but it comes with a bit of accountability expectation. I'm praying, Dad's praying for me that I, that I get along today with all my first grade friends and I don't talk the whole day, let my teacher talk. So what's going to happen at the end of the day? I'm going to ask, hey, did you get along with your friends? Hey, did you let your teacher actually teach today? You understand what I'm saying? So when Paul is saying, I'm praying that you give thanks for everyone, guess what? That comes with a huge hint of expectations in the scriptures. The prayers of Paul, as you go through and see the prayers of Paul, they're also reiterated in imperative form. Do this. I'm thanking God for this, but also do this. So that comes to the second question. Are you truly thankful to God for his people? Through 2020, has your faith been stretched? And as your faith is being stretched, Are you increasing in your love? Are you growing in your faith? Seriously. The expectation. Are you 
growing in your faith? Are you increasing in your love? Let's make it very personal. What will you do this week to express the love of Jesus to someone else in the body of Christ? Might have to be creative because I know there's a several that might have to stay home because of uh, concerns, health concerns. But I'm going to tell you, God gave us the technology to be able to phone, to text, to email. A card still works in the mail last time I checked, most of the time. I was very tempted just now to give an election comment, but I didn't. I'll tell you this, what God is calling us to do in this passage as I've been interacting, what he's doing in my heart this week is saying, Andrew, are you trusting me when times get rough? Is your faith being stretched and are you depending more on me? And then through that, what are you doing to express your love to others in the body? Paul says this, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Let's pray. And I'm so thankful for your word. How appropriate it is. Even something as simple as a prayer of the Apostle Paul. Still through inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But this prayer that encourages us and exhorts us. To continue to grow through times of affliction and to share love through times of affliction. You know, God, right now I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ at Cross Point Community Church. Please help our faith to continue to grow by your grace and our love to continue to increase. Lastly, God, I just want to thank you, thank you, thank you for the body of believers here. You've so blessed me and my family to be able to share fellowship and study and song, to do Christian life together with this body. I'm so thankful for the body of believers, other gospel-centered, gospel-preaching churches in our community, pastors and leaders who are loving the flock Thank you, thank you. Uphold them by your grace. And I pray through this, Father, that there would be churches in Redding, California, including this Cross Point Community Church, that grow and grow and grow and grow in our faith and in our love through this time. Lord, right now, the word is being preached in churches all across the state. Bless those pastors proclaiming your word right now. Friends, brothers and sisters in Christ here today. Uh, we said a lot today <clears throat> about gratitude. But really it comes down to what we prayed even before the sermon. And the songs we sang. Jesus, thank you. Want your enemy now seated at your table. What does that mean? Maybe you understood some of this, but not all of it. Here's what it means. We were born into this world with a serious, serious problem. That problem is we were an offense to the great creator. It's called sin. And this holy creator had to deal with sin. He would cease to be holy and righteous if he did not deal with sin. 
And so in His holiness and His righteousness and His justice, we see expression of His mercy and kindness and grace, and that expression is in Jesus. Jesus, who lived a born, born miraculous birth, lived perfect life, suffered a sacrificial death on the cross. Why? To rescue us from our sins. The question is this. Have you been rescued? The fact of the matter is you cannot grow in your faith and you cannot increase in your true biblical love until you have established by God's grace a relationship with God. Would today be the day when you call on Jesus to save your soul? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be up here towards the front. There's going to be other people, other chaplains here to pray. I would encourage you, don't leave here today without talking with God about this. Maybe you're going through a bit of what's known as like a soul travail type thing where you're agonizing over this relationship with God. I would encourage you, go home, get in the Word, study about God's mercy and grace. Read through Ephesians chapter 2 where we see that we were lost and God in His great love and mercy sent Christ to die for our sins. That we could not earn this relationship with God. It is all of His grace. And would you today call on Him to save your soul? Don't delay. Those of you who have come to Jesus in repentant faith, I would encourage you with this. Would you this week honestly, authentically, genuinely thank God for the body here at Cross Point Community Church. Thank God for the people sitting around you. Thank God for the servants of Jesus who devote lives and simple, behind-the-scenes ministry stuff. Find two or three people this week to thank. And through this time of affliction and unknown, this discouragement, let us grow and thrive as a body of Christ because we are consumed with growing in faith and increasing in love and gratitude. Well, thank you, God, for the time we could spend in your word. And now I pray that you would bless as we sing this last, this last anthem of praise to you. This praise, 10,000 reasons. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Let us see how many ways you've blessed us. And as we leave here today, we walk out these doors. Let us walk out differently than we walked in because we are consumed with this concept of gratitude. Thankful to you and thankful for your people. Thank you for the time we could spend today in your word. Please bless now as we close out with this song. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.